Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. And this is a special podcast for us today. We are actually recording on Thursday of deadline week. And our first guest is Ivy Riggs. Thanks for joining us, Ivy. Thanks for having me. Are you awake? Barely. Eyes open. Barely. Eyes are open. So big big day at the Capitol. It's deadline week. So maybe just a little overview of what that means. And then we can kind of get into the the heat of it. Sure. So so deadline week week means uh, all Senate bills had to be off the Senate floor this week, all House bills off the House floor this week. So last night they went very late. Both chambers went late. Um, Very late. (laughs) But the Senate went especially late. Um, After they took a dinner break, they came back in and almost immediately decided to get back to work with a surprise bill that had been on the agenda, but we really did not anticipate it being heard. And so we're talking what time is this kicking off? Gosh, it was it, like seven thirty. Was it that yeah. early? Okay, yeah. it was seven thirty. So, so I was going to guess nine. So good job. <laughs> it, it would seem like it would be nine. I know. But it started at seven thirty. Yeah. So, yeah. and how does that work? So it's Senate Bill sixteen forty seven. It's the bill we've been alerting for. It's the bill we've been telling ev- everyone about to call their legislators and ask them to vote no. And it's finally up. It's finally up. Um, rumor has it, not even all the legislators knew it was going to come up. Goodness. So they come back from dinner. And it was almost immediately up. Senator Treat, pro tem of the Senate, leader of the Senate body, and this has kind of been his baby, this this session. Uh, the governor has been incredibly outspoken. Secretary of Education Brian Walters has been incredibly outspoken about how we have to have this to save children. Mm-hmm. And we feel exactly the opposite. Um, for almost $130 million, we think we can do so much for the 700,000 children that are in our public schools. So um, this has kind of been that line in the sand bill for us, right? I don't care what you call it, if it's ESAs or a voucher or savings account or whatever. Line item is what it turned out to be. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, it's, uh, it's not helping most children. Um, it's subsidizing wealthy folks sending their kids to to uh, private school. So for lots and lots of reasons, we hate it. So it popped up last night and um, there were almost zero questions. Wow. Almost zero. Which is, is really uncommon. Very uncommon. All of the questions had been asked in committee. I, I can only imagine there had been every conversation under the sun, uh, behind the scenes, uh, things like that. So uh, there, were, there was one clarifying question and that really was it. And then debate started and then it went on and then it went on some more. And they, uh, what time would you guess they, when they started the vote, vote, it was a little bit after 10 o'clock. Okay. Mm -hmm. So from seven 30 to 10 o'clock, no questions, all debate, Mm -hmm. both sides of the aisle. Now for debate, is there a time limit? Not in the Senate. Um, in the house, they always do put a time limit. They, they, take an amount of time and divide it by how many people want to it's talk. Like 30 minutes, 30 minutes. It d- right? depends on how yeah. many people want to talk. Yeah. In the Senate, it is unlimited. And as we saw last night, you can go more than once if you want. You can get back <laughs> in the queue. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was um, just fascinating. 
frustrating, a bit disgusting, but fascinating to watch. Yeah, it was really interesting last night. We were, Ellen and I were at a, one of our civication dinners here in Oklahoma City, luckily. So it, it was kind of, it was interesting because because everybody was going late. We, we actually weren't able to have legislators there, but we had all these members that were there and we and all of a sudden we get your text alert. They're like, it's up. And we're like, oh my goodness, you guys, it's up. We're trying to get it up on the big screen in the, in our, the room we were in, <laughs> but everybody was on their phones. And so we are, we are watching the, the closed caption go, you know, on our phones, trying to listen to it. On my way home, back home, I'm driving, I'm listening to the debate, I get home, and then I'm staring at a screen for about an hour and 45 minutes while the vote is going on. Oh, over an hour and a half, they held the vote open. And and what's different about a floor vote than a committee vote is that you have to have 50% plus one of those eligible to vote on the floor. So they had to get to 25. Doesn't matter who's absent. Doesn't matter who took a restroom break. It doesn't matter. You have to get to 25. So anyone that is gone basically counts as a no. That doesn't mean they're against it. It just means they counted as a no. Yeah. So there were two absent yesterday and one on each side of the vote, which made it kind of interesting. Uh, Nathan Dom would have definitely been a yes. He is currently running for Congress and was in D.C. Um, campaigning. Fundraising is my understanding. And then Kevin Matthews, a uh, uh, Democrat legislator out of Tulsa, would have been a no. He was on record as mm -hmm. going to be a no. And he just wasn't there. I have no idea where he was. Yeah. And one of the, you know, as we are all watching this and receiving text messages from people trying to figure out what's happening, one of the questions we had, okay, if it's in a tie, you know, a lot of rumors last week is that, uh, Lieutenant Governor Pinnell would come in. So how does a tie work? So the only way Lieutenant Governor can come in and break a tie is if it's tied at 24-24. So everyone would have to be present and it would have to be an exact tie. So even if it was sitting at 23-23 yeah, last Which night, it was at one point. At one point it yeah. was, 23-23. Yeah. There is no provision yeah. for that to happen. So um, Lieutenant Governor Pinnell was in the room. He he His face was in the corner while... Uh, Senator Treat was uh, giving his debate and presenting the bill um, made me a bit nervous <laughs> because I wasn't sure who was absent. I mean, I know who had been absent in the, you know, throughout the day. Right. We knew Dom had not voted all day. We knew uh, Matthews hadn't voted later in the day, but right. are they just off at a meeting and coming mm -hmm. back? That's the part you don't know. Yeah. Because in the past, they have actually had... They have driven people across driven the people state back. to bring <laughs> sick people back. Yes. yes we have known too. that to happen. Yes, Poor they, Carl Newton had pneumonia and got driven back from the panhandle. Yes. Yeah, come in and, and do their vote. And we had some flipping of votes. We did. We did. It was oh. interesting. So my understanding is that there were some amendments offered in conversations during that hour and a half that would have carved out rural areas where they would have put in some kind of a cap um, or a trigger, a population trigger, they were calling it. So say if you didn't have over 70,000 people in your area, that wouldn't apply to you. So your, your, your folks wouldn't qualify. And so I think that did temporarily gain a vote, and then that person um, reconsidered and went um, 
switched back. Is to it another. during that time they can flip their votes back and forth? It's not uh, like once they press a button, it doesn't. Until, until they, the vote until closes, yeah. anything can be flip-flopped. Somebody can come in, someone can leave, whatever. And there's no time limit. At one point, we did hear, uh, get your votes in, the vote's going to close. Yeah. Right. And then and it was another hour and a half. <laughs> a while. A while. <laughs> it seemed like an hour and a half. You know what? What's interesting is no matter how they were going to tweak, amend that bill, at the current state when it was presented on the floor, it was a $120 million line item that would go to students already attending private schools. That is $120 million that could easily go into our public schools. Or into any other core service. Or, yes, out of, it was coming out of the general revenue in a year that's, you can't see my air quotes, a flat budget year. So that, to me, was just so egregious that I look back, Ivy, at the additional appropriations for that went through the formula last year. It was $136 million of additional funding that the State Department got. And we're looking at $120 million. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Yeah. In wow. the final amendment, it was 128 something. Wow. And they had calculated the cost and then guessed at, say, 5% that qualify would actually go. I mean, it's this whole, yeah. it, it is all speculation. But but what what the amendment did yesterday, what it hadn't done in the past, is truly put a cap on it. For one year. Mm. So many questions though. So many questions about what happens the next year. Yeah. What happens the year after that? They would have to continue to invest that same amount of money. And we know that uh, every time Senator Treat had spoken publicly about this bill, he said for the continuity of a child's education, he would want them once they qualify to qualify for the rest of their public or the rest of their K-12, pre-K-12 education. So Wow. We know it's going to grow. We know if it happens, it's going to grow. So it's $128 million this year. How much is it next year? And 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 what else could we be doing with that money? Could we get closer to the per people funding to be competitive to the states around us? Mm -hmm. Could we get our support employees a living wage? Could we uh, do something about teacher retention? Could we could we give a, a raise to our teachers? And we, you know, in the last few years, we've gotten some, but we still know the teacher shortage is dire. There are so many concerns in our in our schools, uh, mental health services coming off yeah. of a pandemic. Yeah. So many things that that one hundred and thirty yeah. million, one hundred twenty eight million dollars could could do this year, yeah. and the next year, and then you know, so so just um, just just concerning on so many levels. I I did like that. At the end of the day, we do see kind of a hand being played that we do have this extra 128 million, right? Like yeah. that money is available and sure. not that it will go to schools, but I think we've, they've laid a hand down letting us know there is an investment to be made out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Me too. It. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like it's sitting there just waiting to be captured. Did, budget negotiations we'll are fun. going to be very interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, anybody that you thought did a great job fighting against Senate Bill 1647 on the floor? 
Yeah, I will say a surprise one that I don't hear debate very often is Senator Warren Hamilton from the southeast corner of the state. His, his, um, you know, I will say his motivation is different than ours, Mm -hmm. but his constitutionality arguments about it being set in the Constitution that we fund a public school and that taxpayers you know, set up our state to do that. And this doesn't do that. This actually does something very opposite that. I was very impressed with his, with his debates. I thought Senator Julia Kurt brought up some phenomenal arguments on, on um, how we judge parents that get SNAP benefits to feed their families and the low income requirement for that and how we make them keep qualifying for a few hundred dollars a month, much less thousands. So I, I just, I thought, um, I thought there were so many great, great arguments on, on both sides of, of the aisle. I feel like it was a, it was a true, um, public school champion night and it just, it makes you feel good. You know, it was truly a bipartisan very much vote because mm-hmm. um, there's what, how many Democrats in the Senate? Nine. nine, I believe nine, nine, and, and, and only one yes vote out yeah. of the nine. Yeah, yeah. Today we celebrate. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, tomorrow we get back to work. Absolutely, <laughs> definitely. But today we celebrate. Um, even even though last night went late, and <laughs> I was a little tired because even after that vote closed, you're a little oh. ramped. You're a little ramped up, yeah. right? Yeah. My my adrenaline was going. That was a celebration. Uh, go to bed, felt a little tired, but it was a pretty good yeah. kind of tired. It was yeah, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, only thing I could think about was all the people that have come on this journey with us, all our members, oh my gosh, our members have just done uh, an incredible job about being over at the Capitol, emailing, calling, doing everything, and our parents and community members, all the different groups uh, that are part of our coalition, um, not our coalition, the coalition that we're a part of. Right. That have that have joined in to champion one thing, our public schools and the students they serve. I, I truly haven't felt such a coordinated effort in a really long time. And it just felt like a pretty awesome team to yeah. be a part of. Yeah. yeah. Um so that was our biggest win. For a couple sure. just other things that happened in session. We had we've had a few bills that we have been promoting and working with legislators on. Where are those? EAP and community schools. Right. Uh, they both passed the house this week, so we're excited about that. Tammy West, uh, Representative Tammy West out of uh, Oklahoma City. Putnam City. Putnam City. <laughs> a former Putnam That's City not a school city. board member. Um <laughs> Uh, passed a bill to allow a pilot project for some community school activity in Oklahoma. And it really just allows us to access some federal funds that are available. And so we're really excited about this work. We know uh, this is an effort that's not going to cost the state any money that will actually help a lot of children that that have some high needs and uh, very much family. So we're super excited about that. And then our uh, EAP, as Ellen said, or Employee Assistance Program, uh, Representative Mark Van Curen out of Owasso passed a bill this week that um, gives um, a hotline, kind of a, a, a number that education employees can call to get uh, some a coordination of services for mental health uh, services, for financial counseling services, for lots of different things we know that our that our education employees and their families are going through right now. You know, uh, coming out of a pandemic, we all have a little some scars and some trauma coming out of that. And so uh, this has been really important um, 
that we that we make sure they have those same benefits that state employees currently have. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and get some sleep tonight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Bye. Speaking of Representative Tammy West and community schools, we are joined this morning by Representative West. Welcome, Representative West. Thank you. It is my pleasure to be here, as you guys know. Um, we Just tell us a little bit about why you became interested in community schools. Well, it's something that has been a long time interest. It came from those times when I was volunteering at Lake Park Elementary, Western Oaks Middle School, Putnam City West High School as both a parent and then on PTA and being the PTA president. I saw very quickly as a concerned parent and an involved parent that there were multiple needs that everybody was trying to meet. The teachers, the principals, the parents, we were all trying to pull together because kids come to school and they come with those needs and we can't choose what those needs are. And it may range from needing a new pair of shoes. It may be transportation. It may be extra tutoring. It may be clothing. It's a variety. And everybody pulls together to try to make sure those needs are met. It's become increasingly difficult to do that. The needs are greater. And our teachers are stretched thinner. Our administrators are stretched thinner. The ability to meet those needs has become greater, or the, the need to meet those needs has become even greater, but yet harder to do. Mm-hmm. And looking at the community schools concept, it provides a way for those resources to be made available with one person who can be in charge of it and make sure that it gets where it needs to go. And one of the things that when we think of, you know, rolling out models of different schools, a lot of times people become super apprehensive because they think, oh, I don't, that my school doesn't look like that. Should I, you know, is, how does that look? Do the schools look the same or different? No. And that's what the beauty of this model is. Every single school, every single district is different. I saw that as a school board member. The schools on one side of my district, the needs were completely different than the needs that were on another side of my district. And making sure that those needs were met became a priority. And there's not a cookie-cutter solution. You've really got to have the people in place who know where to find the resources and who make sure those resources get to where they need to be. Because one school may not need all of this, but that other school is desperate for it. Is it? Is it just about the students or does it does it involve the families as well? What I found is it involves the families almost as oh, much as, yeah. if not more. Yeah. For my schools, we had a high percentage of grandparents and great-grandparents even yeah. who were raising their children, yeah. single parents. And those resources, they're out there. Yeah. But how does that family become aware of where to find them? Yeah. And where does that teacher... Where does that principal, everybody can't know everything. And I mean, it ranges from tutoring, whether it's a WizKids program in a local church, or if it's that business who can provide cleats for that track team or that football team, or if it's that dentist who is willing to volunteer their time on a Saturday morning to do free teeth cleanings. All of that is out in the communities, Mm -hmm. but finding it and making sure it's getting to the person or the family that needs it is critical. And we may want to think that our schools, that it's not us, yeah. but it is us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is just reminds me of like 
I think we got to see so much of that during the pandemic. And I always use the analogy that uh, the roofs of our schools were opened up. All those things, nothing changed. We still had students that desperately needed transportation, had food insecurities. They were there. But we we always keep the roofs closed and we take care of it. We just, they come in and we do it and we make things work. But the pandemic really opened the roof and we got to see that, oh my goodness, how are we going to make sure we're getting food to students that when we were all isolated and in our homes? And, and it really brought a light to all the things that schools are already doing, but that we need, how can we get more supports for them? Because we found yeah. out there's a lot of community members out there that want to help. There are numerous, but they don't know who to call yeah. to get plugged in. Yeah. I had a, literally was at a, a function last night and was visiting with a school teacher from Moore, kindergarten teacher. She was sharing a story with me that she has a little one who has a single mom the little kindergartner, and she could tell there was a little bit of tension when this little one was coming to school in the mornings, and she was able to touch base with the mother. The mother, single mom, working, her car had broken down. Mm. She was literally taking an Uber to get her child to school, $22 each way. Her salary for each day was just going in great part to the Uber to make sure her baby got to school and she was doing it. This is when our resource coordinator. Yeah. Think if that teacher had been able to just say, I know who to call to see who we can plug in to meet this need. Mm -hmm. Now this teacher was able to literally pick the mom up and drive her to school or to work and then bring the little one to school. Now this is what our teachers do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they do. But how what a relief and the pressure that it would take off if the teacher and the principal said hey i can call ellen Mm -hmm. because ellen knows the community Mm -hmm. resources that are in place to meet this need you only have to know one person with one phone number and they're responsible that is their job is to make sure they know the community but also one of the things that i love about what we have put into this program it involves a survey of the parents. Mm-hmm. We're not coming in saying, oh, we've got these programs, because let me tell you, we know mm-hmm. <laughs> about the programs that everybody, and they're all good. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. they're not, but we have program fatigue in our yeah. school system. Yeah. This listens to the parents first. Mm-hmm. What do you need in our what a school? novel idea, yeah. Representative West. <laughs> well, we did this when I was um, on the board. I think I was, I can't remember if I was a parent or if I was on the school board. We, But we did surveys and meetings. We kind of pulled together a task force of students at Putnam City West. And we met periodically over a period of time for how could we best use this building? I'm one of those kind of old-fashioned people. I feel like the church and the school needs to be the hub of every community, mm-hmm. every neighborhood. That needs to be the place where people know to go mm-hmm. for what they need. Well, we found out, you know, they needed the school building open for tutoring in the evenings. Okay. There, there were several things that that building was sitting empty at night. And kids, they had great ideas that would further them in their academic exactly. careers. Yeah. This wasn't social stuff. Yeah. This was their academics. Well, then you run into the problem of transportation. Mm-hmm. How do the kids get home 
if they've stayed. Then you've got a budget crisis. Transportation is a huge part of everything that we deal with. Mm -hmm. Well, the resource coordinator and other areas that we've seen this implemented were not, you know, unique in that transportation is a huge issue. They've been able to plug in people who can help drive those bus routes or provide the salary and cover the gas through donations to Mm -hmm. drive and provide that transportation piece. Because it's not just providing one thing. You've got to have the ability to implement it once you've made it available. And so those are the things that we're trying to make sure that get covered. And I think that when you have one person in charge, and that is their job, is to make those connections and build those relationships in a community, I think we're going to see it happen. And I think it's going to make a difference. I It sounds super exciting. And, and one of the things when we talk about what changes need to be made at school. We want that community buy-in, and we also want that sustainability. And so I think this model, from what I understand, is one that like you invest in, but it's it continues to grow and develop as time goes on. But you bring in those stakeholders early to have buy-in for the model and the needs of their schools. Yeah. I think we're going to see long-term results, yeah. which is what we've got to see. I, we don't want a Band-Aid. We want a real solution. What I'm looking for is better attendance, which leads to higher graduation rates. But the two other things that I think tie into this so importantly, parental involvement and teacher retention. We have so many bills that uh, in the last year that it was opportunities that if if your schools schools weren't meeting your students needs you could go here and it provided opportunity to leave your commute your school and your community to go to a different school well this sounds like it is why don't we invest in our school in our community that we live in and we don't have to go anywhere right there it is about community there is nothing more powerful than a neighborhood school okay. where relationships are built. Yeah. I lived it. I am I'm a little bit unique in this in that we went to private school when our children were really little. We attended private school, then we homeschooled, and then we found our neighborhood school. And the relationships that were built are relationships that I still have today that my children still have today because we lived life in community. And it was literally one of the greatest blessings our family has ever had. And it's why we still live in the same neighborhood where our children went to school because it was the friendships, the life that was lived together, the work that was done together Mm -hmm. and what we accomplished and did for our kids that has had lifelong benefits for both my husband our friendships, and our children, even to this day. I love that. That's one of the reasons I love my neighborhood school. I teared up when my fourth grader was leaving, and people didn't understand, why are you so sad? And there was something so special about that community that you know we developed that I wish and I hope that same experience for every child right. and family in this state. Exactly. I, I feel exactly the same way. I don't know how you duplicate it. Uh, and I I certainly want everyone to be where they feel their child will thrive, but I want to make sure that I'm doing all I can to make sure that every child can thrive in the schools in my community. 
Thank you so much, Representative West. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your championship on this bill. And um, we look forward to seeing it move on to the Senate. Yeah, we're getting yeah. across the finish line and signed by the governor. Yeah, I'm praying it happen. gets there. And I am truly, truly praying and hopeful that it's going to make a difference for the children and their families. Thank you. Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Uh, whew. Ellen, we have lots of upcoming events on our calendar. I'm that, so excited that about That is exciting. April the 23rd, Saturday, a Saturday. Uh, we are having our first annual education support professional conference where we are bringing together our fabulous ESPs across the state. And this is a time and a place for just them to be uh, leaning in and learning together um, for their association and their local association, how they can, uh, we can give them the tools they need and um, the professional learning they need. And so we're super excited. It's going to be here at OEA. And and they can go on, uh, our ESPs can go on to our website at okea.org, 2022 ESP Conference, and register for that. And it's going to start around 9.30, and it's going to go till 2. We like to call it a drive-in, drive-out type conference. <laughs> and, and so it's just a great day, and it's just for our education support professionals. And, uh, you know, what's so interesting about our ESPs, it's such a unique field. But within that field, there's like nine different, we call them families from, you know, food service to clerical to bus drivers. It's just a a wide variety. And, and the, here's the best part about that conference. It's free. And, awesome. and lunch. And lunch. Awesome. And we're going to have... a great lunch for them and it's just going to be time to to be together and to learn together and then i'm so excited uh you know for the last two years uh we have been on a struggle bus and you know we have our annual delegate assembly that is where our uh, members are elected as delegates to come together to make uh, decisions for this association and for the last two years we've had to have a virtual delegate delegate assembly and it's I'll just be honest with you, it's quite painful. But <laughs> this year, uh, we are going to be back in person, and it's May 6th and 7th. And I know our locals are working hard now to to get their delegates elected. Um, and we'll be at the Hilton Garden Inn in Edmond. And, and with both Delegate Assembly and the ESP Conference, we put in safety protocols so that, um, that we can have participation, but also safety. And so... Uh, Participants are going to be asked to show that they are being fully vaccinated, or if they're not able to, um, they can have a 48-hour negative PCR test, and and that just ensures that as we're together, we're safe, we're 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 being healthy, and we're making good decisions on that that way. And then, uh, man, Ellen, I have been writing furiously all my thank you notes to the senators from Senate Bill 1647 and just thanking them for their no vote. But we've got a really cool thing 
that we started last year with Frameshot. Tell me, tell me more about, you know much more about this than I do. Yeah. So Frameshot is, you know, one of those cool tools that, yeah. that's out there, you know, <laughs> that love a tool. the young kids <laughs> in quotes are using. But really the goal is um, to provide an easy to use platform to send a postcard to a legislator it does all the work. All you have to do is put in your information. The biggest part is you just take a picture, you know, and it'll input all of that information in and then it will send a literal postcard. Like, like, like through the, like through the a mail. physical postcard. Which if you're like me, I still love I, mail. So I can only imagine we, last year we kind of, that was kind of our toe in the water yeah. and trying to figure it out and to go into a legislator's office and to see one of those postcards up on their, you know, board is, it's really touching and it's personal. Yeah. And so um, we hope to send out, a, we will be sending out an so email. So be looking for an email. Yes. Whether it's in the legislative update or just a separate email, yes. we're going to be sending that out. What picture are you going to put on your postcard? I mean, I usually put my children because yeah. they're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get all my grandbabies together yes. and get a, and it, because it, this is who it's about. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. about our kids. Yes. And, you know, I was driving into work this morning and it just finally hit me, you know, over the last you know, several evenings and, and watching this final week and the, is it up for a boat? Is it not up for a boat? And then Thursday night, staying up late and watching that, it just hit me. I was like, wow, we did it. We did, we did it. it. And we, it, we, as we talked about, we all did it, but it also just, there's something reaffirming to see legislators stand up and say, we support our public yeah. schools. Yeah. And, and when I say we, I mean, it was a community effort and that that legislators were truly representing their constituents. Yes. Yes. You don't, you don't get to see that a whole lot. No. And, and we saw it. We and, saw it. And it took a Herculean effort to make this happen. And there are so many people to think, besides the senators, it we need to be writing thank you notes to everybody from our uh, parent advocacy groups, our pastors for kids, our everybody, our me members. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, you so it. much. Yeah, we we appreciate it. it. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ivy Riggs and Representative Tammy, Tammy West um, for talking with us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us on podcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.